Good morning, everyone. I'd like to welcome you all as well. So wonderful to be together on this beautiful spring morning. I'm going to start with Whispers from Eternity. This is a short one that I often skip over because it's about work. <laughs> and so, you know, when you pick up whispers, you don't really, you're not really looking for something related to work. You're looking for something <laughs> related to God, but turns out it's all one. <laughs> he says, teach me to perform every work only to please thee. Father, teach me to perform all my work only to please thee. Let me feel thee as the electricity of life, moving the machinery of my bones, nerves, and muscles. In every heartthrob, every breath, every burst of vital activity, teach me to feel thy power. There's a story in, that Swami Kriyananda tells in his autobiography, The New Path, about a sister disciple, Miramata, who was with him at Mount Washington. And Yogananda came to her one day and said, you're working too hard, you're working too much. You have to stop working so much. You know, your health is in jeopardy. And so she thought, okay, I'll try to do less. And a couple days later, he came back to her and uh, gave her more work to do. <laughs> And she thought, okay, well, Master must know what he's doing. So she took on the new duties and also tried to reconcile that with working less. And I think it's a familiar conflict for a lot of us <laughs> that, um, you know, trying to work less and be more inward and also we have so much to do. And so then he came back to her a couple days later and again said more strongly, you're working too hard. You've worked enough in this uh, lifetime for many incarnations. She's okay. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll try to do less. See what I can let go of. And then a couple days later, he gave her more work to do. And so this went on a couple more times, <laughs> back and forth. And all the while, she's thinking, well, there must be something here. Master must know what he's doing, and it's up to me to try and understand. And that in itself is a valuable lesson, a valuable way to approach whatever comes to us. But. She finally went to Master and she said, Sir, maybe it would be better instead of, instead of using the word work to think of what we do as divine service. And Master just laughed and he said, It's been a good show. You've, you've thought all your life, work, work, work. And look at how that thought has exhausted you. And look at how you feel when you think of your work. Think of what you're doing as divine service. He said, when you act to please God, you can do twice as much and never feel tired. Isn't that so? When we think of God, when we're in that joy, in that communion with God, it's not work. And what a beautiful parallel story to this story of Martha and Mary, because Jesus and Master are saying the same thing. They're not saying don't work. They're saying don't forget God. Get out of that work consciousness. Get out of that ego consciousness that says, oh, it's too much, I'm too busy, I have so much to do, I can't do it, I'm so busy. That thought of I is what makes it so hard all the time. Now, Mary, on the other hand, wasn't closer to God because, or to Jesus because she was sitting next to him. Um, it was in her consciousness she had that inner attitude 
that inner stillness. We often confuse, though, activity with restlessness and meditation with stillness, but I think we also, most of us, have had the experience of a restless meditation where you're perfectly still and yet not <laughs> on some level. And so that's the stillness, that inner stillness is what Jesus is calling us to. Master even had that experience. He was in Sri Teshwar's ashram and he was sitting at Sri Teshwar's feet and listening to his discourse and all of a sudden Sri Teshwar said, you're not here. And Yogananda said, but sir, I, ha I haven't moved a muscle. My eyelids haven't moved. I could repeat every word that you've said. And Sri Tashwar said, nevertheless, you're not fully with me. Isn't that so that happens to us? You're not fully with me. So outer stillness is not the same as uh, inner stillness. Right? Being outwardly still doesn't mean that we have that divine communion. And on the flip side, being outwardly active doesn't mean that we're restless. We look at the example of Swami Kriyananda and of Master later in his life, just how, how busy they were serving, teaching, traveling, singing, writing books, writing music, counseling people, endlessly busy, constantly busy. And yet, always with that thought of service, that thought of self-offering, that thought of God, never with the thought of I. Swami Kriyananda said he made peace his bottom line. He recommended we all do that, make that inner peace your bottom line, that no matter what you need to do, never do anything in a way that takes that inner peace away. So that same disciple, Miramata had another instructive lesson with Master in how to uh, keep that inner peace. She was in the kitchen with Master one day and Master was cooking and she was there so she thought, well, I might as well clean up after him. Seems like a good thing, helping the Master, you know, you're serving your guru, cleaning up after him. And so every time he dirtied a pot, she'd wash it and he'd spill something and she'd clean it up and all of a sudden he's dirtying more and more pots and making more and more of a mess and she's running around faster and faster trying to keep up. So finally she thought to herself, well I might as well just wait until he's done and then I'll clean up. And so she sat down and started to watch. And Master had a little smile on his face, he didn't say anything. She started to notice he wasn't making a mess anymore. And without saying anything, he'd given her this perfect lesson in what it really means to serve the guru. Think about it. We use that word service. We say, oh, I'm serving in this way. Oh, I have to serve in this way. Or, but are we really serving? Or are we in that work consciousness and just getting things done and just being busy all the time? Are we keeping that consciousness, that's that inner connection, that inner stillness, that inner peace alive, no matter what we do? Yogananda said stillness is the altar of spirit. And I think when we hear that, we think, oh yes, I'd love to be able to meditate more, to just feel that stillness, to be with spirit. But the thing is, it's not just in meditation that we can experience that. We have the techniques of yoga and the teachings of self-realization that show us how we can bring that stillness, that inner peace into everything we do. Because what is that? inner peace, what is that stillness? 
that divine presence that's always there. It's not something we have to create or accomplish. I'm going to achieve inner peace this year. You know, it's just not how it works. It's already there. It's already who you are. So it's just a matter of opening ourselves, tuning into that, being receptive to that presence, that peace that's always there underlying everything. A couple of months ago, I was preparing for another talk and I was tuning into this concept of stillness and I asked a friend of mine, what's the most memorable experience of stillness that you've ever had? And I thought, you know, she'd probably say something like something in meditation or maybe coming to a sacred place or something in nature. And without missing a beat, she said childbirth. And she said it was so intense and it required such intense focus and concentration. She said it was like time stood still. There was, there was nothing else happening. And the more she just gave herself over to that and just concentrated, I mean, there was just no option. She said she just had to give herself to it completely. And that concentration, that focus, that one-pointed concentration, it just opened up that experience of peace. What's there underneath? You just, you go past the restless mind, past the outer experience, which she said it was extremely painful. But when you go beyond that, what's there underneath? It's that peace, that stillness, that peace that passeth all understanding. So how do we bring that? How do we connect with that as we're active, as we're serving, as we're working, as we're going through our day? It's through our attitude. It's through how we relate, how we respond to what happens. It's like, what is our consciousness as we go through our day? Swami Kriyananda uh, talks about in his book, Sadhu Beware, it's a chapter titled, How to Be an Attitudes Detective. And I just think that's a great, it's a great recommendation to be an attitudes detective because we don't always have the right attitude, let's face it. And so we have to, but we have to watch what, what is the right attitude? How do we find out what that is? And he said, to be an attitudes detective, you have to watch the heart. Not the mind, not the thoughts, not the behavior, but the heart, because that's where everything starts. And when we have the right attitude, the energy from the heart moves upward towards the spiritual eye. And when we have the wrong attitude, we can feel that heaviness in our heart and the energy moving down towards the base of the spine. And so as we go through our day, as we go through this week, just watch which way is the energy flowing don't get so concerned about what i'm doing or what they're doing or how i feel or all, just which way is the energy moving do i am i having the right attitude am i responding in the right way swami said attitude is the most important thing on the spiritual path when your attitude is good you'll be able to sail through every test often without even realizing that it was a test when your attitude is wrong, on the other hand, everything will seem to be a test. You can find, everyone's laughing because we know that experience, don't we? <laughs> you can find an even kindly smile some cause for irritation. So there's another good indication, right, that we can pay attention to. Does everything seem like a test? <sighs> you know, you get in that Martha, um, you know, we've all been caught in a wrong attitude. We've had our Martha moment, 
I, I admit I had a bit of a Martha moment this week, you know, where you just feel like, it's too much, I can't do it, nobody's helping me, you know, just all the ego thoughts that, that come up. And the, the problem is they're very reasonable. You know, they're very, they seem very realistic in a way, you know, it's just like, yeah, I am working too hard and no one is helping me. And so that's the thing, you have to watch the heart. You can't get, you can't get caught in the thoughts and the mind. So just think, you know, we can do the right thing because what was Martha doing? I mean, she was making dinner. She was hosting Jesus in her home. I mean, there couldn't be anything more beautiful. And yet she was doing the right thing with the wrong attitude. Think of that. Has there been a time when maybe you've been trying to do the right thing with the wrong attitude? Maybe with some unwillingness, some resistance, some anxiety or worry or doubt, or fear or judgment? It creeps in. And what happens? Things don't work. Things don't work out. Things don't flow when we have the wrong attitude. And we get caught sometimes in trying to accomplish something and achieve something, and we forget God. But the thing is, God doesn't, God's not interested in what we accomplish outwardly. He, he couldn't care less, you know? He's watching the heart. He's watching the heart. Where is your heart? Where's your mind? Where are your thoughts? Are you remembering him? And I'm reminded of the story of Saint Narada, who uh, God sent down to earth from heaven to find his greatest devotee. He said, go and you don't know, talk to people, see if you can find out who's the greatest devotee. And so Narada, you know, is interviewing different people and he finds this renunciate and he explains to him what he's doing. He's on this mission from God and this man says, well, I've been practicing you know, austerities and mantras and postures and everything for 80 years. Surely I'm God's greatest devotee. And uh, he says, you know, and, and when you go back to God, ask him why he hasn't, you know, when he's gonna come because I've been at it for a while. And so just <laughs> ask him when he's going to come to me. So, Nard is actually quite impressed by everything that this man has been doing for so long. He thinks, surely this is a great devotee. And so he writes his name right at the top of the list and he carries on. And as he's walking, he notices this other man who's incredibly drunk and trying to put a fence post into a hole and not succeeding whatsoever. And as he's struggling with this, he's cursing God and say, if you don't come and help me, so I'm going to take this fence post and put it through your heart. I mean, he's just like really going off at God. And so <laughs> Narada is a little taken back. And so then the drunk man sees Narada and he says, what are you looking at? And so Narada, you know, explains to him what he's doing there. And, and uh, he, you know, Narada asks him, well, do you want some help? And, and the man says, no, I'm waiting for God's help. I don't, I don't want your help. I'm waiting for, I've been asking God for help and he'll come. And he says, you know, ask, he also says to Narda, ask God, you know, when he's, when he's coming because I've been calling. So Narda goes back to heaven and he starts to give his report to God. And of course, right away, he wants to tell God about this great devotee that he met. 
and he starts describing this renunciate. God doesn't know who he, I don't, I don't know him. You know, he's not ringing a bell, let's put it that way. <laughs> and so Narda's really surprised. He said, oh, he's done all these things and, you know, he's prayed so much and he's done all the yoga postures and the prayer, and, you know, everything, meditation. And, you know, God says, but I don't know, he just hasn't done anything to touch my heart. I don't, you know. And, and so then Narda says, well, I did meet this other person. And uh, God says, was it a drunk man? And Narda said, yes, how did you know? And, uh, and Narda said, well, they both asked when you were coming. And so God said, okay, here's what you do. You go back and you tell them that I'm coming as soon as, right after I'm able to uh, pass a thousand elephants through the eye of a needle, I'll be there. Go down and tell both of them and see what happens. So he goes to the renunciate and he tells them, and, you know, God will be with you as soon as he's finished passing a thousand elephants through the eye of a needle. And this man is, that's it. I can't take it anymore. I've been waiting all this time. God doesn't even exist. I'm out of here. He couldn't. So he left. He left the spiritual path. And then Narada goes to the other man. And he's drunker than ever. And Narada tells him, you know, God will be with you. He's going to come as soon as he's finished passing a thousand elephants through the eye of a needle. And he just starts dancing and singing. Oh, certainly he who can pass worlds through the eye of a needle won't take long to do a few elephants. He'll be here soon. He had such <laughs> that childlike faith, you know, and it, it's true. God watches our heart. You know, it's not what we do outwardly. It's not to say don't do the practices. Of course, they help us, you know, and it's not to say, oh, we should not care and just be drunk. No, that's not the point of the story. <laughs> I think you see, you know, it's, it's that God watches the heart that, you know, we have to be that attitudes detective and, and notice when are we irritated? When are we, you know, in that problem consciousness? When are we... Um, you know, things just aren't working, and we just notice. And the beautiful thing is, in community, we can look around and notice how other people respond, how other people relate to what's happening. Because Yogananda said conditions are neutral. And so it's wonderful. You, you, you're in community, you're at a meeting, and you just get to see all these different ways of responding and relating to what's unfolding, all these different attitudes. And you get to observe which ones work. And what does that mean? Which ones work? Which ones bring us closer to God? Which ones remind us of God's presence? Is it giving or getting? Is it kindness or that judgment? Is it that willingness or that resistance? What is it that brings us closer to God? It's not to say one is better or worse, but just notice which way does the energy flow? There's all, of course, there's many good attitudes that we can practice, but Swami said of all attitudes, living for God alone is the greatest. Everything else falls into place then. And so we get busy, like Martha, and we forget what we're really doing, that we're living for God. We forget God's presence, and what is this story? It's just a reminder that He's just in the other room, you know. 
he's right there. That inner peace, that inner stillness, that divine presence is always there. We just have to remember. And there's, you know, when we think of God, it, it protects us from that worry, from those wrong attitudes. And there's so many beautiful practices we have that can help us to think of God as we go through our day. Maybe you've tried some of them, you know, chanting or carrying a chant with you in your mind as you go through the day, repeating the name of God, practicing japa, focusing at the spiritual eye. But it can be so simple. A friend of mine was saying, you know, she was going to do her dishes and again, you know, you always have to do the dishes. And she thought, well, what if I just think of Master being just in the other room? I'm gonna wash his dishes. You know, let's do that. Let's wash his dishes. Let's do his laundry and make his dinner and do his taxes and take care of God's children. You know, just do everything for God. Do everything for God. That's true service because it gets us out of the ego. We forget ourselves. It's not my dishes and my this and my, that I have to do. No, it's for God. Everything can be for God. Everything. Now, it can be a little bit of a leap, though, <laughs> to think of doing everything for God. I remember when I moved, first moved to the West Coast, I moved to our community in Portland, and it was a big change, and there were a lot of challenges, and it was the first time I really realized I can't do this myself, but I'm, and I'm gonna need God's help, but I was still new and I couldn't quite figure out how was it that I do it with God. And so I just had this very simple prayer. I just said, I know I can't do it without you. I don't know how to do it with you. Please help me. And just opening and inviting God's presence in, I can't say that I had any you know, major breakthroughs or divine experiences, but I got through that time um, with a lot of grace. It might not have seemed it at the time, but looking back, there was a lot of grace that carried me through to just call on God, even if you can't feel his presence, that's the thing, it's there. I think that's the most important reminder because we're not always gonna feel God's presence. We're not always gonna feel it the way we might in certain moments, but it's always there. Yogananda said to use the mantra Om Guru and uh, Nayaswami Pranabha spoke beautifully about this last week and so I thought maybe I'll actually try practicing that for once because I've heard about it and <laughs> I always kind of think well I'm just going to forget so why bother you know like it, I never quite <laughs> have given it a full effort because I always figure how could I possibly chant Om Guru all the time I'm going to forget at some point but I thought okay well I'm giving this talk let me give this a shot so I did. I forgot a lot, more, much more than I remembered. But what I realized is that after a couple of days, when I would remember, there was just such sweetness in remembering, you know, and just coming back. And this, this what I was really remembering is that I forgot, but God didn't. God didn't go anywhere. God was there the whole time. All that time I was forgetting, God was there. And to just try that this week, to 
practice that presence, remembering, coming back, inviting God into whatever you have to do this week, and to just open yourself to that presence that's there, and to know that no matter how busy we get, no matter how wrong our attitude, <laughs> no matter how long it's been since we've remembered, maybe you forget for the whole week, guess what? God's still there with you. So let's tune into that presence and do our best to just remember and to remind each other of that presence that's always with us.
Alfred Kahn.